Welcome, everybody, to Pathway Home. This is your podcast, but it's more than a podcast. This is also your church, and I am Pastor Kyle Bauer. I want to be your pastor, and I know that you've been joining us, hopefully you've been joining us for services um, on our online campus, which is Pathway Home. You can find us at pwh.tv, um, but we want this to be uh, a place where you learn about the uh, about the Bible, about how to apply it to your life, um, which I think the best way to do it is just in dialogue. Some of the best discipleship times I've ever had in my life were around a table mm. uh, with actually didn't even have my Bible present. <laughs> mm. But uh, in just talking, we see uh, the whole, how the Holy Spirit guides conversation and the issues of life just come up. And so I mean, uh, Amy is not with us today, but I have a very good friend of mine named Brian Ming, who is joining us here in the studio, and I'm super pumped to have him. Thank you. Uh, have him here. He's uh, been, uh, we've known each other for about 11 years. Yeah. Uh, we briefly worked on a church staff together at uh, Hillcrest Church in Dallas, Texas, and then uh, the Lord took us our separate ways, and he pastored in San Diego, California for a time. Mm -hmm. And the Lord took him to Colorado. He's a worship leader, a musician, songwriter. Uh, does I'll let him tell more about himself, but he does a lot of stuff for the kingdom of God, and he's uh, a, a wonderful brother. So I've invited him to come to the studio today uh, to just share his heart with us, things that the Lord's been talking to him, share some of the word of God with us. And uh, so... Welcome, yeah. Brian. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be here, Kyle. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And so I just wanted to, to just ask you and, and just kind of leave it like a blank slate for you today. Mm -hmm. What is God talking to you about? What has he been showing you in his word? What do you, what's your take on things going on in the country right now? What's your sense, uh, a prophetic sense, biblical sense of just things that you see around? What is God talking to you? And how can... How can we apply that into our lives and sure. all that stuff? So I'm just going to hand it over to you and you run with it. Yeah, I would say, um, you know, th those are kind of loaded questions. <laughs> um, and can you can kind of open a Pandora's box, you know, by talking about all the stuff that we're seeing happen, as well as when you say the prophetic Whew, hot button right there, like, right? Yeah, because a lot of the pro prophets are saying one thing, and then you got church leaders saying another, and all of these things. It's almost conflicting. Right. Like, you know, uh, this is who our president's going to be. This is uh, the issue. This is the this is what's happening in our country. This is the fraud. This is not the fraud. I mean, it's like you're hearing... I mean, just, just go on Facebook, and you'll find out. Oh, I've been... <laughs> Uh, I actually, I had to take it off my phone because it was poisoning my yeah. soul. I mean, I, I posted one political post, uh, you know, just to kind of, you know, just making a point. And boy, man, started like a world war. I mean, it was like people clashing and everything. Everybody has their opinions. But I think um, what we really have to do is kind of push back from all that's going on and go back to the word and really figure out. Um, what what is what is what can we stand on, and what can we believe? Because there's so much false information, there's so many opinions, and so uh, what does the word really 
How, how can let, let's put it this way? How can the word really guide us and lead us through these uncertain times? I mean, I think back to the first moment when the when the pandemic hit. And everybody, I mean, every pastor, every, I mean, not just pastors, I'm talking about church members and uh, just people in the workplace, I mean, just average Joe. Um, what is going on? Mm-hmm. What is happening? Um, well, the Bible says this. The Bible says that in the last days, and I, I think we all agree now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, Amy and I did a podcast on that just the other day. and so We are living in the last times. I heartily agree with that. <laughs> yeah. If, 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 I mean, if there was any doubt before, I mean, now it's certain. I mean, we got, because the book of Revelation talks about it, plagues, and I mean, just wars, rumors of wars, and I mean, uh, people, yeah. uh, people calling evil good and good evil. I mean, just all the stuff we've seen going on through this pandemic. It's like, wow, the end times are up on us now. And the truth of the matter is, I don't think the church is prepared. I think, I think there's an element. There's a, let me put it this way, there's a remnant that is seeing with eyes of understanding and seeing what what is really happening. And and everybody kind of started on the same play, playing field. It was like, something's happening. Shake Everything that can be shaken is going to be shaken. Well, we've experienced the shaking. Oh, boy. And what I'm starting to see is I'm starting to see uh, people emerge that uh, are realizing that this is, this is how it is, yes. This is where we're at, yes. But we're not going away. We're not shrinking back. And 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 so you, you asked me, what do I see happening? Mm-hmm. I really see that there is a distinguishing that is happening to churches and leaders and prophets and people that yeah. call themselves the people of God. I mean, the chosen, the children of God that are are either rising up or are shrinking back yeah and um and so there really is this um kind of this sifting that is happening i i hate to even use this term because i don't want it to be i don't want it i don't want to you know convey that the church is in battle or in war right but from a philosophical viewpoint there is a civil war happening I mean, there is there is a distinguishing between those who are are the church and are alive and are facing it head on, right. and those who are almost disengaged right. from what's happening. You know, it reminds me of the uh, the parable of the ten virgins mm. that you had you had ten young women stay, it's staying in the same place mm-hmm. with the. If you're not familiar with the parable, it's it's a parable of Jesus uh, getting. Uh, 10 women were waiting for the bridegroom to come Mm -hmm. and who was going to go into the wedding. And so they had these little ancient lamps that were filled with oil and all 10 of them had the same lamps. They had the same oil. They had the same flames. Mm -hmm. They were waiting in the same place for the same amount of time for the same person. Mm -hmm. But five of them had let their oil run dry and, and the, the wise ones had brought extra oil. 
And so at the time of the coming, five of them, a full half of them who were waiting the same amount of time in the same place with all the others mm. missed it. Right. That's, that's, that's heavy stuff. Mm. And, and every time Jesus talks about some sort of separation or a remnant, it's uh, two women were working. And one was taken, one was left. Two mm. people were in bed together. One person was taken, one was left. Five virgins got in or five young ladies got in and five missed it. All three of those examples I just gave, that's half. Right. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think that it, it almost appears that way. It almost appears that it's split right down the middle. Yeah. It's like you have the people like... You know, we're opening. I don't care what the governor says. I, you know, we're, we're opening our doors because the church is essential. And then right. you got the people like, what are you crazy? Because, I mean, are you, are you going to be a super spreader? You know, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I've, I've seen both extremes. Right. And, and, you know, and then some people are saying, well, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says you have to honor those in authority over you. And then, it, you know, people on this side are saying, yeah, but, I mean, did the early church honor the authorities that were over them and not preach because they were telling them not to preach. Right. So, so, I and mean, then the other side is, well, they haven't told us not to preach. Right. It's just you have to do it online. You know, I mean, you, you, you just right. can't meet in person because un- it's on un- per- until they, <laughs> until they cancel your website. Right. Like, like they did with Parla, right? <laughs> right. Right. I mean, I mean, and it's crazy. Like, 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 don't don't come to church, you know, and uh, you know, sit next to anybody. Uh, but you can sit on the plane, you know, right next to somebody. <laughs> so it's like, it's like, where do you find, you know, where do you find your footing? You know, well, and there's another, grounding. and there's another argument that says, well, obey the ones who are in authority over you. Well, but then the system of our government says that we, the people, are the authority. And the ones who are in office are elected to represent us, not rule over us. Right. right. And so, it's, right. so you know, that further muddies the uh, waters. Right, right. It's, it's those who are prepared and those who are not prepared. Yeah. It, it even talks about, I, I think, um, when they describe that story, it's the wise and the foolish virgins. Yeah. It's, it's those who are wise and have stewarded well. There, there's another story in the Bible. In the story of uh, the uh, the master and the talents, mm-hmm. what's interesting? It, it, there's one that talks about the talents, and there's one that talks about the minus. Um, and basically, the the parable of the talents, he he leaves them with five talents, two talents, one talent, mm-hmm. and so they are now on their own. It's a, and, and and which is which is very interesting when you think of that, because. Um, I've thought it myself, I don't know if you've had this thought, but kind of like with our government, with the election, with the stuff like, where are you, God? When are you going to, when are you going to intervene here? (laughs) It's like, what, well, that is what we're, that's what's happening. It's like that parable. He has stewarded your church to you. Right. He has stewarded my ministry to me and the church that I work at and the people that I, I, I am stewarding his resources. I am stewarding the things of the kingdom because I'm a part of the kingdom. I'm a, whatever rank it is, you know, there are, and there are different ranks, right? But he leaves and he withdraws and he's not involved almost, almost as if to say, um, 
let, let, let's see how you handle the authority mm-hmm. and the influence and the resources that I've given you. Right. Well, it says that, that two of the, the people were wise, but the one buried his talent. And I, I really think that's kind of where we're at. If I was going to speak prophetically, um, I really believe that there's in the days ahead, and, you know, I mean, I don't know when this, when people will be listening to this broadcast, it could be months and years, sure. you know, later um, when they hear this. But I really, what I see prophetically is that God is watching and to see how Kyle Bauer handles the resources, he, how right. Brian Ming, the resources that I've been given. And he is going to he is going to judge accordingly, and in the in the parable of the minas, mm-hmm. he says he comes back with the one that that had five, and he says, "Well done, good and faithful servant. Uh, I'm going to give you five more, but actually you're going to rule over ten cities." Right. And so you see how that when he was faithful over what he had been given, the Lord expanded that, mm-hmm. and I really believe that what we're going to see is we're going to see um, the churches that really have kind of skirted the issue. I don't want to ruffle any feathers. I don't want to speak to politics. I don't want to... I, like, this whole ch- separation of church and state thing is is bunk. Mm-hmm. I mean, from the very beginning, it, it, it's, not meant, it, it's not meant to limit the church from talking about politics or politics. It, right. You know, it, that's that was never the intention. Right. But it's almost been sold that way that don't you interfere with us and we won't interfere with you. No, no, no. Um, the Constitution to be, I mean, the, the purpose of the Constitution is meant to, and people don't remember this, it's not It's not for the sake of the people to, uh, uh, you know, to be saved from other people. It's It's meant to be that the government is actually not going to limit the wishes and the desires of the people. Yeah. It's it, it it protects us from the government, not the other <laughs> way around. But it's almost kind of turned and said because it it really is. If it's going to be in one nation under God, then who should be speaking on those issues? It should be pastors. It should be spiritual leaders right. that speak to the moral fiber. But it's like you know we we have in many ways set laws against don't try to tell us your moral gibberish and 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 that's why we're in the position that we're in well it's yeah. the same is true in the church we have we have now realized i think as church leaders that if that's the way it's going to be then all we're going to see is more and more erosion of the, and moral decay in society, mm-hmm. if if we're not going to stand on this, I mean, if we're not going to teach this, and if we're not going to if we're not going to get this involved in politics, then we're headed in the ap- absolute wrong direction. Oh, we're heading towards God's judgment. Absolutely, absolutely, and yeah. that's what happened with the third the third individual. Yes, he buried his talent. He stuck his head in the sand. And and that's what you see some churches doing. Like, um, you know, let's just this this storm will pass. I, I think God's made it abundantly clear that um, we're meant to rise and face this storm, not just weather it. 
Mm-hmm. We're not meant to just say, okay, p- pretty soon everything's going to go back to normal. No, 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 that's not, that's not it. It's almost like the church needs to rise up and take a stand because they are taking our liberties away. You can't meet. You, you, it's not essential. The, uh, it, it's like all of these, thi- all of these things, it's, it's almost as if they're seeing us how far we can go to um, take these, these things that our country was based on and founded on, and we're, 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 we're going to st- strip as much as we can as, as you'll let us until people rise up and say, that's it, mm-hmm. we're done. We need community. We need each other. I, I, I'm doing an event in um, a few months, and the Lord spoke to me, and he said, Brian, he said, do not do online on this. Hmm. He said, this will be an in-person-only event. And I'm like, well, we might limit our you know, our influence. He said, the point of this is, is I'm getting ready to decipher the difference between those churches that say, um, we're, we are going to defy what the limitations that have put, been put on us because we know the importance. I mean, the depression rate, the suicide rate, the alcoholism the, rate, alcoholism, the, yeah. the abuse that's happening. I mean, all of these things have just skyrocketed and, and it's all under the, the kind of the guise or the argument of health first. <laughs> it's a little ironic. Health first. And yet at the same time, we're more sick than ever before. Um, and 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 the and and what's crazy is the states and the and the pockets and the region and stuff mm. that have been more defiant on it. <laughs> the numbers are exactly the same. Yeah, I mean the ones that wear masks or don't go to restaurants or go. The numbers are almost identical, um, and it's sometimes even less. It's like this spiritual health dynamic, this spiritual health um, aspect. Um, you know, it's like the tithe. You know. It, it has nothing. I remember a, a, a pastor saying this. He said, and he laid down ten one dollar bills, and and he said, which one of these is the tithe? <laughs> and they and and so he goes, uh, well, I don't know. He said, I'll tell you which one it is. It's the first one. Yeah. He said, it is the first. It is always meant to be. I'm going to put God first in right. this. Cain and Abel. It was the first fruits that was presented, that was that was that was accepted by the Lord, and then there was Cain with his offering that he grabbed a portion of his flock, but that was the differentiate uh, the differential was, I'm going to give God my first because I'm putting Him first. Mm-hmm. Well, it comes down to okay, yes, is there a pandemic? Yes, is there a health risk? But I am still trusting God first. Yeah. In everything, you know, when the at the very beginning of the pandemic, <clears throat> I said this to our church. I said, "I, God is getting ready to do something amazing in our world. I think He's getting ready to pour out His Spirit. I think there's going to be an amazing revival. I think people are going to come into God's kingdom by the hundreds of millions. Mm. Uh, I really, I really believe that. And and I said this to my church. I said, I think God is looking right now to see those who will respond with faith and courage." And those are the ones, individuals, as well as churches, as well as ministries, that he will put on the front lines. Mm. 
And it's not to say that no other church can be involved or no other church, God's not going to use any other church. I'm not saying that at all. Uh, you know, if you take Gideon's army, Gideon, uh, if, if you're unfamiliar with the story in the book of Judges, uh, one of the judges that God raised up to deliver Israel was a man named Gideon. And they were being oppressed by the Midianites, and they had an army of some over 100,000 people. Mm. And so Gideon called an army together of about 30,000 people. And God said, no, that's too many. And, 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 and he said, if you're afraid, go home. And so 20,000 go home. And then he says, I want you to test them. And he said, take them down to the river and have them drink. Those who cup their hands and drink drink with their hand to their mouth, mm-hmm. said, set those ones aside. Everybody else who just sticks their face in the water, send them home. And so Gideon was left with an army of only 300 people. Mm. 300 people in the face of over 100,000 other warriors. And there's no way that they could possibly win that. But who were the ones that were left? The ones that were unafraid, mm. the ones that didn't run home, the ones who were paying attention. Mm. Those are the ones that said, you're going to be on my front lines. Now, when the battle happened, uh, more warriors showed up and they did fight. But that initial push was with the ones they were paying attention and they were unafraid. And I believe God is doing the same thing with his church. I said as much to to Pathway uh, at the very beginning of the pandemic. Uh, When we decided to open up on Pentecost Sunday on May 31st, 2020, Mm. when almost every other church in the nation was still shut down. And only a handful of churches decided we're going to open up on Pentecost Sunday. One of the things that was cool about Pentecost Sunday, I know this is a little bit little bit of a rabbit trail, but it was mm. really cool. Jesus had told his disciples after the resurrection, he said, don't go anywhere. Don't do anything until you receive the promise of the Father, which is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Mm. And so I said, in other words, Jesus quarantined his disciples and the end of their quarantine was Pentecost Sunday. Mm. And I said, that's good enough for me. The end right. of, we're ending our quarantine <laughs> on Pentecost. Right. And I said, I'll never, I'll never close my doors again. And I said, and again, I said, God is looking for those who will respond in faith mm. and who will respond in courage. Mm. And those are the ones I believe he's getting ready to prepare as a remnant, as a front lines church. Mm. And I believe other churches will join in. Right. But the frontline church, he needs people of faith and courage. Right. Well, what happened in the parable of the minus and the, and the talents is that he actually, when judgment came, um, I, I've heard different statistics, but I've heard from several different pretty reliable sources that there is a pretty good percentage of, I don't know if it's 30%, I've heard as high as 30% of churches that will either close mm. or peop- or pastors who will no longer be in the ministry. I mean, hundreds of thousands yeah. of people. Um, and that breaks my heart. But if you look at the parable of the talents, um, there's a dif- the differential is this. Um, hirelings? Yeah and those who care for the sheep. Because I, I remember John Wimber, who you know started the Vineyard Movement, was heavily involved in even Calvary Chapel and stuff. He, he, he kind of had this catchphrase, and he said this, he said, we can never become professional ministers. Yeah. And that really kind of is, is, is the, what we're looking at. It's like the, the ones that are kind of you know, scared to death and hunkered back down and everything. It's like you just kind of wonder, um, are, are have they become too professional? 
you know, are they, are, are, has it come down to services? Has it come down to, you know, orders of service? Has it come down to how we have church and, and the different things? Doing what you're told. There's a there's a point that I I want to stand on a soapbox and say stop doing what you're told like <laughs> like please I mean I in worship I do that like well, why do we do it that way yeah. what, what why do we do our four songs one slow one medium and two slow I, I'm sorry one fast one medium two slow right you know, I mean we have this progression of how church is supposed to look well is that the way God really wants it to be um, and so what what happened in that parable is that he actually took the one who had buried his talent, buried his resources, and he gave it to the ones who had stewarded it well. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of prophetic, prophetically what I see, is I see that there's a massive um, shift of resources, influence, and uh, even purpose. I believe that there are going to be ministries that kind of uh, fold and go under, and then there's going to be ministries that actually kind of like rise and 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 will grow. I mean, all I've seen in your church is growth. Yeah. Same thing uh, in uh, for us. End of May, we opened up. Uh, paper came out, covered us, um, wrote a pretty scathing article about us. I'm sure. Um, and uh, I mean, it was just one of those things where our pastor, when you speak of courage. And you know, kind of like just boldness. He 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 said, "I, I just I, we can't shut our doors anymore." Yeah. If if uh, if liquor stores are deemed essential, abortion clinics. Yeah, abortion clinics. Pot deemed, dispensaries. Pot dispensaries. I mean, all these places <laughs> essential. Right. I I mean, come on. We're talking about um, the moral fiber of our nation is freedom to worship. Freedom to hear the word of God, freedom to have community built around, you know, one nation under God. God's in the center. We're all around it, and we're, you know, we're we're, we're going together. But um, I have this scripture I, that actually kind of comes to my mind. Yeah. When it when it says it, it says this in Isaiah uh, chapter sixty six, says this is what the Lord says: Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house? You will build for me. I believe that's kind of the question that hmm. that's being asked right now. What kind of a house are we building, and who will be this house? Where will my resting place be? Not meeting place, but my resting place. That's good for God's presence. Yeah. Where is God welcome? Where 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 is there a place that is built that He feels comfortable and welcomed? Um, I, yeah. Way back when I first started leading worship, I had a vision, and in the vision, I saw uh, I, I was standing on the platform, and I looked back, and there was a double door in the back, and I saw Jesus on the other side of that door, knocking on his on the door to the church, and he and asking the question, "Can I come in? Can I come into my own house?" And and it really deeply disturbed me. I really kind of shook me to the core of have we have we built um, a house that that he wants to go to where he feels comfortable yeah where he feels welcomed where he where where everything is catered to him I mean it really is all built around what do you want to do 
but, but that's not how many churches are run. No. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it, it's, it's almost everything but that. It's like, how can we make people feel comfortable? Yes. How can we make, I mean, and people even, you know, we've ter- heard of church shoppers, you know, like, impress me. Yeah. Yeah. What, what's your children's ministry like? Did, what's your music like? You know, I, I'll see if I like your preaching. You know, I mean, it's it, it's this attitude of my preferences rule. Yeah, which is which is interesting because that's almost democracy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I have a pet peeve of mine, and I know mm. a lot of churches do this. And and I'm this isn't to call anybody out. This is mm. a pet peeve of mine is that uh, they are very much into guest experience. Mm. I, I just. I, I can't stand that personally. Mm, right. Because, I mean, do I want you to feel comfortable in the church? Sure. Yeah. I mean, do I want you to walk into a dirty bathroom? No, no. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> I mean, those kinds of sure. things will take care of those things and and make sure it's a, it's a clean place. But but it's not about your, your guest experience. Church is about an encounter with Jesus. Right. And if you're not doing the things in church that are, like you said, they're attracting God's presence, mm. that's building a house where his glory can dwell, mm. then what are we doing? Right. There's no reason to do church right. if God's presence doesn't show up. Right, right. Well, let me, let me continue on here because it, it's, it's kind of making that same point. Has not my man handmade all things? And so they came into being, declares the Lord. Then he then he he goes on to say this, and we we probably have heard this uh, portion of scripture many times. This is the one that I esteem, which means to pay close attention to have have your have captivated your attention. This is the one that this is what God is saying. This is the one I esteem, that I look to, that this is the place I want to go. He who ha- is humble, and contrite. In spirit, okay. So humility, mm-hmm. and then that word contrite. There's a, uh, a a form of that 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 is being broke down, like like a, a clay pot or something that has been broke down all the way to pow- to powder. Mm. I mean, it is literally completely obliterated. Yeah, it's of of self, you know, which is humble, contrite in spirit. So I'm not full of myself. I'm I'm broken down to the point where. He can do. He can. He can sift me however he wants. I've been. I've been uh, sifted by him, and who trembles at my word. Hmm. So this this book is actually it's the filter. I mean, I know that that uh, Facebook says you know they're going to do the fact checking, but this is actually <laughs> the fact checker. That's right, right. right here. If if not, we're, we're lost. But then it goes on to say this: Whoever sacrifices a bull. Is like one who kills a man. Wait, this this is Isaiah. So this is the Old Testament. This is how they worship back then. It worship in the Old Testament was a slaughterhouse. Yeah. If you were going to go worship, you brought your animal, and they sacrificed it on the altar. It was a bloody affair. It was gruesome. Yeah. Um. 
It's the price of sin. Right, absolutely. It, it, and which is, you know, Jesus on the cross. And right. People say, like, why, why, why so gruesome? Why so bloody? Why so... This is it. How, how, how ugly is our sin? Yeah. And, and, and the price to be paid for that. Yeah. You know, the... The, the price of sin is death. Yeah, absolutely. So what's crazy is he goes on here. He says, whoever sacrifices a bull is like somebody who kills a man. Well, no, no, no. What are you talking about? Killing a man is one of the big ten. We don't murder. But he's saying, when you come and bring your sacrifice, it's like breaking number one of the top ten. Mm. You know, or one of the big ones. You know, the murdering somebody. And then he goes on. Whoever offers a lamb, which is right, that's, that's what you were supposed to do, mm-hmm. is like one who breaks a dog's neck. Huh? What are you talking about? Whoever makes a grain offering, which is the right way to worship, it's the right act, Yeah, is like one who presents pig's blood. Wait, 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 wait a minute. In Jewish culture, pigs were absolute. I mean, it was the worst of the worst. Right. I mean, you... No pigs, no eating. You know, I mean, it was it was totally unclean. Uh, totally the uncleanest. Yeah. But this is what he's saying: you come into the house of God to present your grain offering, which is the right offering, but it's presented to God. God, how God looks at it is like pig's blood. One more: whoever burns memorial incense, like one who worships an idol. It doesn't get any clearer than that. Idolatry and God do not mix. I mean, it's the one uh uh-uh. It's the one no-no. I mean, have no other gods before me. But this is what he's saying, and this is what I realized as I was reading this passage and kind of what I believe God is distinguishing between this civil war, the uh, the church clash, is you can be doing all of the right activities and God is not receiving or in any of them. Wow. This is it. There are churches that are doing services, having activities, and it appears on the outside like everything's fine. Like it's Sunday service, the tithes are taken, the songs are sung, the word is brought forth. But yet what we learn from this passage is that doesn't mean that God is in the middle of it and God is receiving it. Well, and according to the passage you just read, it's not only is he not there, he detests it. Right. You know, similarly in the book of Malachi, the people were doing something similar. They were they were living in sin and then bringing their offerings to God. Mm. And in the book of Malachi, it says, I wish there was somebody who would close the doors to these temples mm. or to this temple so that they would stop offering me these kinds of sacrifices. Mm. Dang. Right. Well, I was, I was getting ready to do a night of worship um, in Dallas at Christ for the Nations where I used to lead. We did these citywide things, and I don't know if you ever had this with sermons or with church services or whatever, but it's just like, man, things are just not coming together. Oh, yeah. More <laughs> than like, once. Like the worship rehearsal was just awful, and I, and 
I mean, I didn't feel comfortable with the song. I didn't feel like musically we were there. Sonically, the sound was off. The the monitors were, I mean, it just seemed like everything was off. And I'm standing behind the curtain. I'm just kind of pacing. And I'm like, I said, Lord, you're really going to have to help us. Like this, I don't feel like this is going to go that well. And he goes, it's okay. He goes, Brian, what if I told you that I don't even really listen to the voices or the music? I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, you know, I've dedicated my life to this music thing, right? And this worship, <laughs> you know, expression. He goes, what if I told you that the only thing that I hear and care about is what comes out of the heart? He said, that's what I'm listening for. Yeah. And I think that lines up with this passage. You can be doing all the right things, and, and you, you've experienced it. People that get up and sing so beautifully, you know, and the, you, it's like you can hear the—I mean, you can almost like see it in the Spirit that the anointing and the presence of God just is sucked out of the room. As, yeah. as they are glorified, as they are expounding on this beautiful musical talent that they have, and, you know, I mean, it's gorgeous— I mean, I've, I've been at the concerts and heard these great singers. I mean, just regular concerts. And you're like, ooh, you get chills. Like, But that doesn't mean that, I mean, just because I have an emotional response doesn't mean that God's presence is there. Yeah. It's a difference between somebody who stands in front of a group of people and leads them in a priestly way that, yes, sings or plays skillfully, but their heart is engaged and they lead the people to a point where, and I often say this as a worshiper, if the people forget about me, I've done my job. Yeah, if, that's good. If, if they walk out the door saying, if they walk out the door saying, man, did you hear him? Like, did you hear that band? Oh, man, what a song. I failed. But if they walk out the door saying, I saw him. I, Jesus was here. I, did you feel him walking the aisles? Did, 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 you, did you feel his presence come into the room? Did you, did you feel the healing power? Did you, did you, did you see his face? Did you, see, you know, and, and, and I mean, that's what we're after. That's what God is after, to meet with his people. That's why we assemble we come together to forget about ourselves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, literally, to to see him high and lifted up so that his glory and the train of his robe and who he is. But there's so few, it feels like, so few people that that put that, the value that needs to be put and and I, I I teach on worship all the time. You know you know this. But, yeah. Um, I was watching The Simpsons. Not a great show. All right. <laughs> Sometimes it can be pretty off color, but it's a pretty funny show. And so I've watched it through the years. And I'm watching The Simpsons. And here is here is Homer Simpson um, buying a gift for Marge. Okay, for her birthday. Right. So the scene is him walking through the mall, and he passes the dress shop and he passes the uh, kitchen shop and the home goods store and he's all the shops that that he probably should have stopped in for her birthday gift and he gets to the sporting goods store 
And he walks in, and there's a pedestal, and there's a bowling ball, and lights are shining, and it's sparkling. <laughs> and he, go, of course, he starts drooling, you know, and and then it it changes and uh, goes over to the birthday party in the next scene. And they're getting ready to happy birthday to you, happy birthday. And then he gets, oh, here's my gift for for Marge, and he takes the. <laughs> The gift, and he holds it over the cake to hand it to her, and it falls out of the bottom and splat, uh, lands on the cake and splatters everybody and rolls over, and it has it's a bowling ball with the name Homer and, <laughs> engraved, and scri- on engraved on it. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me in that moment, and he said, that is the epitome of most of the worship I received in the, in the American church. Hmm. Wow. He said, we... People come in and present gifts that are all about them, that they would enjoy. I like hymns. I like Hillsong. I like Bethel. I like Southern Gospel. I don't like Southern Gospel. I like rap. I don't like rap. I mean, it's all built around our preferences, what we enjoy, what we want for ourselves, the style that we like, the personality of what we like, the preacher that we like, the children's ministry that we I mean, we, we cater all these things to our own selfish desires and call it church. Mm. What if we actually walked into a service and said, I only want to please you. I want my heart tuned to the sound of heaven that you desire to hear, to the songs that you desire to hear. I I, I want I want to build a I want I want to 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 develop this uh, catered meal that is built all around like uh, Esther when she went in and and was helped to cater to the king. Yeah, I, I I'm not going to dress. I'm not going to sing. I'm not going to I, the perfumes that I wear. This the scents that that I portray. The scent of my heart, the fragrance of my heart, is going to be is going to be all built around and manufactured around humility. This is the one that he says in, in Isaiah 60. This is the one I esteem. He who is humble, contrite in spirit. And doesn't, it's not just about the word, but it says who trembles at my word, mm. who fears. I, 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 I don't want to be anywhere close to the fence. I want to be as far away from the fence as I can of, 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 of sin, of, of um, wrong attitudes, yeah. of wrong motives. I, 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 I don't want to see how close I can get to the world and still be saved. Yeah. I, I want to be as far away from that as I possibly you know, can. The, the, just to hang on that <clears throat> for just a moment, I, it's been my experience throughout my lifetime that you watch people, whether they're leaders or 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 not, but people in the church who try and walk that line. They try, try and walk the edgy line mm. of coolness. Mm. How much like the culture can I be but still different enough that I look like a Christian? In the words of my dad, Cool is way overrated. Mm. And and almost every time I see people trying to walk that edge, get as close as I can, look as cool as I can, do everything 
as much like the culture that I can, hmm. but just give a little gospel flavor to it. Time and again, I watch those people fall over the edge. Hmm. Time and again, because it's not about how cool can I be. Hmm. It's not about how edgy can I be. I think I think God God can stand for himself. Hmm. You know, there's an old movie from the 50s, uh, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. And I only know this because my mom made me watch it a whole bunch of times as a kid. <laughs> but he's a guy who's a mountain man. He's coming in town to look for a wife. And um, and he was trying out her cooking. She got some, some I think, some meatloaf or something or some stew. And he goes, pass the ketchup. And she looks at him and goes, my stew can stand on its own two feet, <laughs> you know, <it's, laughs> which, which I love that line. But, you know, mm. it's like God, God kind of the same. Mm. It's like we have worship, we have church, we have instruction from his word, how we are to live. And we say, hey, mm. give me some cultural ketchup here. And he said, no, no, no. My word stands on its own two feet. It right. doesn't need your help. Right. It doesn't need your cool. Right. Cool is way overrated. Well, when you liken it to that about individuals that go on the line. Yeah. I think I think what we're talking about is there's churches there. And it's like the ones that we're talking and 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 again, I don't want bad on anybody, but I'm telling you this shaking that is happening, there are churches who have skirted that line. Yeah. And and we have to we have to address it. I I Contrary to popular belief, I mean, even from the prayer movement and the, you know, those who pray, 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 intercede and gather these huge gatherings on the Capitol to, to pray over, yes, all those are good. But government is not going to save us. Right. What, you, you know, uh, politicians and laws and legislation, I, uh, changing the law of abortion is not going to keep our nation from judgment. No. It's the fact that 50 years ago, the heart, the heart of many of our nation wanted to put into legislation abortion yeah. and the taking of an innocent life. Well, yeah, and we've, and we've walked that out for 50 years, and how many tens of millions of right. children have we slaughtered? Right. And it, it, it's, it's like Jesus said. He said it, it has nothing to do with the act of adultery. Yeah. It's the attitude of your heart. It's the same thing I was behind the stage. Yes. It's not about the music. It's not about how great the sound is. It's, it's the heart attitude. It's the heart of the nation that would say, instead of taking responsibility for my own choice, you know who doesn't have a choice in, in, in abortion? Mm, maybe. The innocent child. Yeah. What, for, pro-choice. Yeah, we have the choice to to not take responsibility for our actions. Mm -hmm. But there's an, there's an innocent life that doesn't have any choice at all. So, I mean, that's the issue. It's like we have, we have again, catered to our own selfish desires. We, 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 it, it is all built around us and our preferences and our choices and our um, really lack of um, fear of this book. Yeah. Fear of his word and understanding of him, mm -hmm. what he what he really delights in. Yeah. And he doesn't delight in the presentation. And that being said, you don't want to give a crummy presentation either. No, no, because you want to you want to offer the Lord the best that you have. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, 
he's he's looking at at how much you really want him. Yeah, every I've been preaching for a lot of years, mm-hmm. um, and I still feel. I mean, we're recording this on a Sunday Sunday afternoon. I mean, mm-hmm. I just got finished preaching this morning, mm-hmm. and you know, I I've been preaching for seventeen years, and I still felt this morning the way I felt on like my first sermon mm. that, that I, I had studied, I had my notes. I know I have a word from the Lord. I know I'm up there saying what the Lord wants me to say, not what I think I ought to be saying. Mm. And I was just, Lord, I, if you don't show up and help me, mm. then this is going to fall flat on its face. And it's not about me looking good, but it's like, Lord, I want to, I want to say your word. I want to do it right. I want to be in line with what heaven is saying. And if you don't step in and help me and breathe life Mm. to these notes and anoint me to do what you want me to do, then this is going nowhere. And we're just spinning our wheels and you're not glorified and people's lives aren't changed. Right, right. Well, I really believe that there are new um, forms of church that have never been sent seen before. I believe that there are new forms of worship. I believe there's a new sound coming uh, to worship um, that is going to radically transform how we even have church. Um, who? Well, I made a statement earlier that some, some it might have caught people off guard. Stop doing what you're told! You know, like, stop! You, you, kind of that whole thing, like, who who told you to do it that way? Yeah. Who, who who said it needs to be on Sunday morning from 10 to 12? Who, who, why do you think we're doing this podcast? Yeah. I mean, literally, <laughs> why why have we put God in such a small box when he's so huge? And, and what I like in that, too, when, when it comes to worship, is here is a little lady who was a tramp. I mean, not a nice lady um, growing up. I mean, very tattered past. And who told her to do this? It, it, it had to be divine, Holy Spirit-driven, I mean, heart yeah. um, content that God was downloading into her. And she grabs her, you know, alabaster jar of oil, like her life savings, interrupts, a kind of a gathering of all these religious people shows up and begins to pour, breaks it first, pours. Even Jesus' disciples are like, what is going on? And yet Jesus responded to this, I mean, to say, this is one of the greatest acts of worship that has ever been, I've ever received. Um, but who told her to do that? Who? And, and so I, I really believe that the, that what God is doing is He's He's shaking things up. He's saying, uh, "Stop doing what you're told. Stop yeah. having church the way you usually do. Start 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 really partnering with me to to to, to bring me glory, to, to to witness to the world. So, like this Jesus revolution that is coming. This, um, I well, it's it's a, it's a Jesus movement." But this one is going to be a little bit different. This one's going to blow up in a very much more significant way. This is going to be something that never ends. 
This is going to be a, a movement that that explodes, and like you said, hundreds of millions and maybe billion to more yeah. are going to be swept into the kingdom, and it's going to happen quickly, and it's going to be very unconventional, and 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 like the woman with the alabaster jar, there's going to be be religious people that scratch their head and say. Who told you you could do that? <laughs> and yet, thousands, millions will be swept into the kingdom because of those people who are obedient yeah. to what God is actually doing and how he desires to be worshipped. And you know what I, I believe it's going to be all about? I believe it's going to be about the return of Christ. Yeah, I agree. The king is coming. I agree. The king is coming. The king is coming. And, and are you ready? And have you repented? And and is your heart ready for the king's return? And this spotless bride, he will have a spotless bride. And the bride is not in anywhere, I think, prepared like we started with. I don't think he's that the bride is prepared. But God is preparing the church, and the remnant is rising. And it's going to be those ones who um, live in righteousness and holiness and repentance that will welcome the king yeah. to his kingdom. Man, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, this is something that's been, it's been on my heart for many years now. Mm. And, uh, <clears throat> the, the, the bride being ready for holiness, uh, ready for Jesus in holiness, you know, at the end of the book of revelation, you have two women, you've got the bride of Christ and you have the whore of Babylon mm. and Babylon throughout the entire scripture is never a good thing. Mm. Babylon in, in short is this, it's the spirit of antichrist. Mm. It always persecutes God's people. Mm. It's always prideful. It's always anti everything God. I mean, even look at Nimrod at the Tower of Babel, mm. Achan at the Battle of Jericho. He coveted a Babylonian garment. Mm. In other words, I want to dress myself mm. with the spirit of this world. Um, you know, King Nebuchadnezzar, who is like the archetype of the... Uh, uh, of the antichrist person. Mm. And then you have revelation and Re the book of revelation culminates with the bride of Christ or the whore of Babylon. Mm. And I've said this from the pulpit on more than one occasion. I said, Jesus is coming back for a bride, not for a whore. Mm. And uh, even what's interesting in Jewish wedding language, the, the betrothal period is called the Kedushin. Right, and the word for holiness in Hebrew is kodesh. So you can hear kedushin kodesh, mm. and so the root word for the betrothal period is holiness. Mm. Holiness means to set yourself apart. Mm. And what's more holy or set aside than a bride setting herself aside for one and only one, versus a whore who liberally sells herself out to anyone and anything of this world. Mm. And Jesus is coming back for a bride who is waiting for him mm. and him alone on his terms, mm. not our terms. Right. Our sin or, or the truth of God's word is not relative to our feelings or our personal desires. Mm. It is on his terms. Sin is what he defines as that. Right. Uh, his truth is what his word says it is. Mm. And he said, well, you know, your truth may be not my truth. You do you and I'll do me. Uh, it doesn't work like that mm -hmm. <laughs> with God. God is so far high above mm. 
uh, us and we are subject to him. He is not subject to us. And so the purity of his bride are those who will faith, courage, holiness, righteousness, set themselves apart and say, I choose to live in reverence of you. Mm. I choose to turn my back on your, uh, on my sins. Mm. I choose to believe your word and I choose to live the way you said I mm. should live. Right. Well, let me just say this about um, what you're talking about when we talk about the church, because one of the things that we were just discussing before we even started this broadcast was those who have left because of church wounds. Mm, yes. And I will, I just, I have to address this. Do it. Because there are people that it's almost like, um, I, I want to serve God, but I don't need the church. Mm. And like you said, it doesn't work that way. I, I, I'm going to make this statement. God has not given up on his church. In fact, what we're seeing through this pandemic and what we've been talking about this whole broadcast is what is happening, is God is shaking up and he is purifying his bride. Yeah. And the true bride of Christ is rising. And, and, and this is, this is kind of how the Lord put it to me, because I was one of those guys who kind of got hurt by the church uh, in different capacities. I mean, you just, bottom line is stay around the church long enough, you're going to get hurt. I mean, it's, it is going to happen because it's filled with people. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it's flawed pastors, it's flawed elders, it's flawed board, it's flawed youth pastors. I mean, everybody's flawed. So there's this clashing of, of people, and, the, and they all go by the church. So whether it's the church people hurting the leadership or the leadership hurting the, you know, it, there's going to be hurt. But I remember I used to kind of get pretty scathing. I mean, as far as harsh um, in my sermons and stuff, mm. early on when the Lord began to, I used to speak at a lot of different churches, I would come in and I would kind of bash the church mm. and be like, you know, this is not how God intended it to be and blah, 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 blah. And, and may, maybe I was seeing, it, it's kind of one of those things you can be absolutely right factually right. and to completely wrong spiritually. Right. I mean, you right, know what right. I mean? It's oh, like, yeah. I mean... I've been, we've all been there. Yeah, we've all kind of seen those too, where uh, it's almost like, <laughs> like, come on, you know, like it, the Lord just had to deal with my heart. So I had a guy that, that met with me after I preached at this church. He took me for a walk and he said, Brian, he said, I just want to ask you a question. He said, I listened to your sermon, uh, I listened to your message. He said, if, uh, he said, if we, went for this walk and I left, we left our wives back, you know, at the house and we just had a little chat. He said, and I proceeded to do nothing but just speak negatively about your wife. He said, do you think we'd be friends? And I said, well, no, probably not. He said, I just want to challenge you that that's how God feels about his church he said um, the Lord is well aware of the condition of his church right he's well, well aware of the hypocrisy he's well aware of maybe the the lack of integrity or whatever it is or the religious religiosity of it he goes um, but you have two options 
you can either be a solution or you can pour water on the fire or you can pour gasoline on the fire. He said, why don't you be somebody that um, has a fire hose with water instead of gasoline? And man, when he said that, it was like... Cut to the heart. Wow. And so I have... I am a local church man. I've always worked in a local church, always, uh, you know, advocated for the local church. God is raising up. And so these prayer movements that are like, almost like, like we're the elitist, you know, we're the ones who, we're, we're the fasters in the prayers, and we're the ones who, you know, I mean, we have an inroad with God. We're the prophetic voice, mm. you know, who, and yet God will not work that way. All the prayer people, I, I mean, I have many, many prayer people I know. God, I, I don't care how much you pray. It will be the church. You, if you want to pray and make a difference, pray for the church, hmm. because that's how God's going to do it. Don't bash the church and don't look down on the church because, yeah, they're lukewarm, and God knows it. That's why he's waking up the church. Right. But but he is he is now causing the remnant to rise, and the church that will arise in this last day that that welcomes this this uh, move of God this will be the one that you want to be you want to be a part of because that will be the one that will walk in power and supernatural and miracles and 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 they will prophesy and they will have power not just a form of godliness but they will actually walk in power and that will be the church that will rise in this day excellent mm. for any of you who are who are watching this right now. You've heard all the things that we've had to say. And, uh, you know, I am certainly not a perfect pastor. I'll be the first one to admit it. Uh, but if you are not connected to a church right now, I want to invite you to connect with Pathway, Pathway Home. You can find us on pwh.tv. You can find us PWH or Pathway Home on YouTube and on Instagram. Uh, and on TikTok as well. But um, I want to be your pastor. I want to help pastor you. And you say, well, is it strictly an online church? Look, if you're in the area, you're welcome to come <laughs> to the on ground. Um, but if you need some place to go and be fed until you find a local church, you can be pastored here and you keep find until you find a, a, a local church in your area. But um, don't get disconnected. People need church and people need pastors. Uh, and so God, God's calling out to you. He wants you to rise up to another level in this season. And if, if you would like PWH or Pathway Home to be your home for at least a time being and let, let the Lord use me in your life to pastor you and, and the other leaders in our, in our church, we're happy to do it. Um, we love you and we believe in you. And, you know, and if you've never uh, come to Jesus, you just happen to stumble on this podcast and it's been interesting to you. But you, the reality is we all need to come to start at the same place. We need to start at the cross. We need to start with Jesus. He is the way and the truth and the life. And Brian, would you just take a moment to lead whoever needs to know Jesus, lead him in, in, to, to understand who Jesus is and then pray for us. Well, there. First off, one nation under God. That's if we're living in America. If you if you're if you're listening to this and you live in America, um, 
it's actually not true anymore. The question I ask is when we talk about one nation under God, it's which God? Because there are many, many gods out there. But, but listen uh, to the difference between, I mean, you, you see them around people's neck, you know, a cross and somebody sitting on that cross. You see them on the side of churches. You see crosses everywhere. Anything uh, about God, you know what I mean, or Christian faith. The reason that the cross is so important is this. Number one, we all know that we've blown it. We all know that we're not who we need to be. We all know that we're sinners, and we are not good people by nature. I mean, I don't care how good you are. We all know that (laughs) we all live in our own thoughts, and we know the evil things that we think about. God knew that. God knew that we would blow it. God knew that we needed help to connect with him. And so he made a decision that he was going to send his son to die on this cross. It was a gruesome death. It was, it was the worst thing that you could imagine. I mean, nails through his hands, nails through his feet. The reason that he suffered such a gruesome death is because we needed, uh, we, there is a penalty of death for the things that we do wrong. And he made that sacrifice of his son, his most precious gift that he could give. That's how much he loved us. No other God has done that. But it, it doesn't stop there. He gave his son... He paid the price so that we could be forgiven and we could get, know him and live with him in heaven forever. But there have been many gods who have come and many gods who have died and gone. The thing that's different about Jesus is, yes, he paid the gruesome price and he never sinned. He was innocent as could be. But on the third day, the Bible says that he rose from the dead He is still alive. He lives in heaven at the right hand of the throne of God. He has sent the Holy Spirit to lead and to guide us. In fact, if you're feeling uncomfortable or your heart is racing and you're like, and you kind of have this feeling inside, like I'm telling you the truth, that's the Holy Spirit that is is maybe convicting you of uh, that you need a change in your life. The way you've been living isn't working. Uh, and, And no matter how good you are or how much you think you clean your life up, it will not be good enough. We need this sacrifice. We need the blood of Jesus that would cover our sins and wash us as white as snow. So let me just let me just pray with you if you're listening. You don't even have to say this prayer out loud, but if you if you mean it, if you believe it, then you can be saved. You can connect with God and he can change your life forever forever. So just say this or or just believe this. Just say, Lord Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, but I believe that you died for me. You died on a cross, a gruesome death for my sins. So I ask you to come into my life and forgive me of all the bad stuff I've done and put me on a path um, that will help me to connect with God, not just Today, this is not a one-time decision, but literally for the rest of my life, let me tell you uh, that God wants to get to know you and start an adventure with you. So God, help me to connect with you from this day forward. I commit my life to you and give it to you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer and you believed it, 
then you are saved, the Bible says. And if you said that prayer and you believed it, then we want to get in contact with you. We want to celebrate with you. We want to know you. Um, And there's stuff appearing on the screen right now with ways that you can get in contact with us. Probably the easiest way is pwh.tv. And and we want, so reach out to us, let us know, say, uh, if you're watching this on YouTube or something like that, just say, hey, pastor, I just, I just received Jesus as my Lord and Savior right now. And we want to celebrate with you. Well, Brian, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for inviting me. And thank you for your insight, your love for Jesus, your encouragement to be the pure bride of Christ, ready for his return. Amen. All right. God bless you guys. We'll see you later.